Hey folks, Dex of the Black Pants Legion here, doing the podcast of the Black Pants Legion, which is brought to you by viewers like you. So you're not going to run into any, any weird ads for things you don't need on this, just us talking about dumb stuff. Today, I am joined by Mr. Diggs, a longstanding mod and friendo Reno of the Black Pants Legion. Say hi, Mr. Diggs. Hello. And we are also joined by Mr. Potate, long-standing mod and a very strange man. Say hi, Potate. Hello. Hello. Yeah, um, people... We got him out of the retirement home for this. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we drug him out. Um, people, people will probably know these voices if they watch videos, because I do put people in as cameos for stuff. Um, this, this podcast is not going to have as much in terms of, uh, scheduled ideas or written down lists of things to talk about because I've been really bad at that. So I'm going to try to make something a little organic. This, this podcast is a test in a sense, but, um, one of the things I wanted to realize or talk about or rationalize or, uh, jab jaw about is we've. We've all become kind of aware that a lot of modern games, a lot of modern video games are really flashy and really pretty, but sunk. And we we play them for like a week or two and then go back to the old games we like. And I'm not saying all of them because there are some newer games that come out and I really, really enjoy. Thank you, Diggs, for suggesting to play uh, Sunless Skies, for instance. That That has really made me happy. But it has also made me happy because I have missed a long time Sunless Seas and you have the same kind of tone going on with a new. Well, I've always wanted to be a tramp steamer captain and now I can be a tramp railroad captain in space. So that's exactly what I wanted. But here's here's my question. Why? Why do you guys think that that modern games are just so? Eh? Why? Why? What? What causes the? Eh? It's really hard to say. Um, I kind of want to say that it's probably big companies having huge dreams and then realizing deadlines exist. Yeah. So when you have like Star Citizen level development periods, people get mad. So they want this out by next summer. And then you get the DLC, which is actually most of the game they had to rip because they couldn't finish it. Well, right, right. And, and, and that's, that's one of those things is it's like, a game the size of an MMO, which is which is essentially what Star Citizen is. It's it's an MMO size game requires an MMO size development cycle, which is going to be fucking huge. But I mean, a lot of AAA games are like complete style over any sorts of substance. They're gorgeous, but there's nothing to them. Yeah, I'm going to throw out Anthem being the most recent one in my mind of a just drop dead gorgeous visually impressive game with pretty okay combat very enjoyable but then you realize what is there to do and it's oh yeah do these five missions and finish the campaign then grind the shit out of it for that slightly better ability what, what is anthem mm, all form no substance to a- anthem <laughs> is yeah anthem is a futuristic type pseudo mmo almost like the division brought to you by ea it's already been shut down due to lack of uh people playing it um but it was you pretty much get into one of four styles of battle mechs and go fight 
weird rift creatures that crawl through another dimension. I didn't really get into it enough to go into detail, but visually beautiful. You can fly around the whole landscape. Insane amount of like detail in like the environment and the combat was like visually impressive, even though there was a ton of glitches. But overall, it was like once you beat the 10, 20 hour story, it is just repeat, repeat, repeat for better stuff. I remember somebody in the Legion showed me something where that game originally had some sort of story planned where you were going to like be factions formed from survivors that crashed on a planet or something. So it was like a shell built from an old NASA rocket or something. So are, are you thinking that maybe they had that plan and then like Diggs said there, were, there was that deadline and they're like, well, time to try a race for this and, and it all goes away. Maybe, maybe. Maybe they uh, were I'm, working on something, but they couldn't quite get it finished. And they were like, let's just make it look really cool. Maybe it'll work. They did do that. My main issue with it is they kind of pulled a spore on the fan base that was looking at it. Because originally it was, you get this mech and you can customize it to any way you'd like to play. Well, that's cool. And it showed off a whole bunch of different ways you could like modify your mech from changing the frame to size and all this. And then it's like, just kidding. Four classes. Pick your mech. Go. Pick your exosuit class. Well, you want to be big, stumpy, or tiny? Well, that's that's the weird thing is that it's like the one thing that's been consistent. I, I'm I'm trying to find gratuity in this because I'm by nature a very depressed person, and I I have a very cynical outlook on a lot of games and any, anyone who watched the channel knows that I just ramble about this is the shit I don't like but I've been trying to be better about talking about the stuff I do like you know to try to offset that and I, I will say that more modern games are gorgeous they're they're absolutely gorgeous because I remember you know gaming in the 90s where it's like now with 60 pixels you know and you're like <laughs> Yeah, I was like, oh, man, I hope my computer can run Diablo 2. I'm going to upgrade. Yeah, I got to get a new graphic card. Yeah, or get a graphic card. <laughs> oh, yeah. My onboard is uh, is melting my computer because I tried to turn it on high set. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I, I, I look at games nowadays and they're so gorgeous. I go, wow. What a beautiful game. And even even games where I know I'd hate it, I, I still watch the videos from it because I'm like, wow, it's like watching a CGI movie, you know, that that's yeah, yeah it's it's really good, but there's most no, of the time it is. Yeah. And and, and then yeah, that's as you point out, it's it suffers from Kojima syndrome where it's like you you can make some actions, but let's get ready for some cutscenes. Oh boy. And it has this like live gameplay footage but it's like live gameplay footage of a rendered situation completely scripted right and here's the thing if if i'm, I'm gonna ask you guys this because the, i i think that this would be a great moment to kind of add some add some personal flavor um what would you say were the games that you kept coming back to for the longest time, like your top three games that no matter what you keep coming back to and playing the shit out of? Go on, Petite. Go for it. <sighs> That's a hard question because I have a lot of trouble stating the one thing I want. Yeah, but I mean, like, let, let's say that no matter what, like, if, if, you, if you had room on your computer, like, let's say... There's a dark age because the, the COVID virus becomes terrorist and they EMP the internet. 
like a Hollywood no. movie. You know, like they are like little berets and submachine guns and smoke. Get down. Get down. And uh, let, let's say they, they wipe it out and you've got three, you got room for three things on your hard drive, three games to play for all time. Oh, no. Yeah. Hmm. MMO wise, it'd probably be Final Fantasy 14, but that would be the whole internet would have to be around thing. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's say the internet's at- around. Let's, let's say the internet is around, but it's three games. That's it. Uh, three games? Three games. You get to choose three games to play for all time. Old Stellaris. I just fell in love with that game for a long period of time. I have not played it since some of the major overhauls. I'm afraid that they've ruined my baby. They have. Uh, Caves of Cud I'd put up there just because I keep going back to it. But there is a story and it does end even though you can choose to ignore it. There is like a finite time you can play. Good choice. Good choice. Um, and maybe... Um, enter the gungeon just because I really enjoy shoot 'em ups here and there. That's that's an interesting but, like, choice. I've always been I've always really been a battlefield player, but ever since three slash four, I've just been unable to stay interested in. Yeah, I think it's because of that style versus substance thing. Like if you look back at Battlefield twenty one forty two, that was an awesome battlefield game just by scale. And and Bad Company, Bad Company Two was amazing, and in terms of play, I mean, just gameplay, everything was just just right. And then they've they've become, hey, it's the same thing, but it's in World War One now. Hey, it's the same thing, but it's in World War Two now. And oh wait, we did that already. Oops. Right. Yeah, right. So, but so, this is alternate reality World War Two, so it's different. It's it's different, but the same, but the different, but the same. So so, Patate, what would your three be? In terms of the games that I kept coming back to over an extended period of time, I mean, Battlefield 2 and Gary's Mod were two that I played a lot, but that's only because I had a specific couple friends that we always played together. So as long as you're in good company, those two are fine. Because Battlefield right. 2 is a pretty fun shooter, and Gary's Mod is just real flexible, especially if the internet's still around. Yeah, sure. It's like a community there in its own. Well, right. In Gary's Mod, you can make anything. And there's a lot of mods to Battlefield too. I mean, a lot. Uh, Project Reality. Um, God, there, there's a shitload of mods for Battlefield too. Now yeah. that I think about it, I got a group of people role playing in the sandbox mode once. It's just like a random sniper team, and we were watching all the people playing as the sandbox class, where you're just like this floating Middle Eastern man in a team that flies <laughs> around building stuff, and we're treating them like supernatural entities and shooting at them. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> They're coming right for us. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, what, what is he? Is he a god? Just shooting at him and then running away. That's amazing. So, so everyone else is playing Sandcastle, and you're sitting back acting like some XCOM unit that's that's yeah. being sent in to to fix the situation. Like, well, let's find out if it's allergic to bullets. Then you run away from it in a buggy, and he just picks up a building and slaps you into orbit with it, and you're like screaming the entire. That's amazing. So, so you've mentioned two. What is the third? Uh, risk of rain, probably. One or two? I suppose two now that it's almost finished. Nice. You have a shit ton of hours, and that's your mode play yeah. game on Steam. I've really liked the first one. Most of my hours on the first one aren't even on Steam because they were on my other account. How many accounts do you have? Oh, only the two. <laughs> You're like, that you know of. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you don't need to know what goes on on digs too, all right? That's where all that degenerate shit not text sends me constantly. Oh, God. 
Oh God, I'm I'm sure it's like hentai Nazi. That was a terrible, terrible. Oh, I remember he sent that. To, uh, he sent that to you, didn't he? He yeah. sent it to Cobalt too, and yeah. Cobalt played it out of like <laughs> just because I wouldn't. I was like, oh come on. He's brave like that, you know. He's yes. he's, he's like fuck it. We're doing this. We're doing it live. Do it live. Steam has grown more colorful, I'll say, since they started that community curation. Oh, I love that word colorful because that's that's the opposite of what it is. Yeah. It's 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 like the cops describing a part of the city as uh, you know, difficult. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, it's uh, an interesting part of the city. It's acquired taste. You can just you know the bullets. Um, so it's got features <laughs> like craters. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> the um the the thing is like if I had to choose my three, Space Station thirteen, because there's a hundred different servers. Yeah. And and if ever I got bored, I could always do something else. Um, then I I would probably choose. Uh, believe it or not. I, I would probably choose something like Diablo 2 because even though that does have a, a game and it does have a plot and it does have a fixed portion of it, Diablo 2 was something that I sunk so many fucking hours into. So when someone says like, hey, uh, let's play Diablo 2, I'm like, what What are you playing? And they're like, oh, the Necromancer. And I was like, what kind? Zoomancer, Skelomancer, Poison, Curses, Bones? doing the crossbow build what, what's what's your thing and people realize i'm i'm a huge nut for that because someone will say i'm a i'm a paladin and i, and I instinctively go oh ordin or hammered in which 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 you think you doing the zeal build and and people are like why why do you know all these things what's a, a zeal well i okay <clears throat> actually no uh the the zeal the zealadin is is that ability to hammer away tens and tens of thousands of times so it's like a sewing machine so you're at when you're hitting people <laughs> and you use a high proc for crit weapon so or or something that stacks with poison so you're you're hoping to hit someone like a million times with something and then run away so imagine a paladin running into a bunch of zombies and then the right arm is just a blur it's just and then whatever he hits like the server will lag a second and then that whatever he hits explodes and then he boogies away you know um and high speed paladin hijinks like it's it's uh we we used to call it the drive-by build because you just drive by and, and then run away and it was it was awesome it's like speed bagging a demon <laughs> um and and usually my friend who used to do that one he would have the uh he would have the uh shield slam you know so he would knock that monster out of the group of monsters just like and send it flying and then chase after it and beat it to death like a hundred times and then do it to another one. So he was constantly like pool queuing people out of the mix. Like, no, nope, <laughs> you go down, you go down, you're, you're resin there, guys. You're over there. You're yeah. over there. And uh, that, that was always great. Or the, the against the wall, <laughs> resisting. <laughs> exactly. Um, or my, my favorite uh, is just a thorny den where you, you have thorns aura all the way up and you do nothing. You just stand there and you're like, why are you hitting yourself? And like, you know, um, back, <laughs> back when it used to stick re or stack redi re ridiculously, and I'm talking old, old, like pre-patched Diablo 2 where everything just stacked ridi ridiculously. 
um, you'd have like Diablo run up and like smack the paladin and then there'd be a second and then he'd blow up and it was you'd do stuff like that. And I, I would combine that with an army of skeletons. So you'd have the paladin standing with this posse of skeletons, like in a big echelon wave and anything that even poked one of my skeletons just combusts and explodes and just dies and that was so good. So that's Space Station. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And, and that's what I loved about old Diablo was you could break the game in a hundred ways and it just encouraged you to do it. And that, that's why I was so bitterly disappointed with Diablo three was because it was it was it was really pretty, but there was no way to break the game. You could just build the same stuff that everyone else had built. And it felt very much like an MMO. And that's why I get tired of MMOs is every time I try something new, I find that not only did I not discover anything new, this is something that's so common. It already has a name and there's strategy guides of how to optimize it. And that kind of steals that joy of discovery. But um, the the third game, unless I've lost count, Uh, you're on to. All right. Um, The the third game would probably be either uh, Arcanum or Fallout 2, either of those. I could see, yeah, your your playthrough of Arcanum was pretty great. Well, what, yeah, just what, what of it there was, uh, cause Pablo still got to edit it. Um, but yeah, um, the, Pablo does do a lot of things. Yeah, he does. He's, he's got, he's got to get us a door fortress playthrough. Like he, I really want him to do a full tutorial for door fortress, like step, well, just step by step tutorial. Um, because he knows a lot of the very advanced concepts of Door Fortress, like, oh, here's the lever you pull to flood the world, you know, and he knows how to do all the, the, the really crazy stuff. And if he, if he did a tutorial series on Door Fortress where, you know, the beginning is here's how to choose a place to settle down and here's how to choose your starting dwarves and here's how to do, um, your rooms and here's how to do, your mining layout and here's the most optimal way and feel free to experiment and here's how you know and then episode two would be stuff like um here's how to set up a tavern here's how to set up your city guard here's how to set up production and get more and more and more advanced and then maybe little tutorials going down the road of stuff like more advanced things that he already explained the easy way yeah, and, and, and or even stuff like um, here's how to do it in this biome. Here's how adventure mode works. Here's how, you know, all, all the really difficult stuff. Yeah, I haven't even touched the adventures mode, but Pablo Ever- gave me personal two and a half hour tutorial. And then it, it, it was an open chat, but I was recording it so I could just watch it back for myself. And it's a audio mess, but it was still really funny at times. Then I have another hour or so of him and me just one on one going through uh, world gen and asking questions about how to customize your start and all that. So it was pretty nice. Yeah. And that's, that's really, really good. But I mean, it's, that's another thing that makes me realize, like, I I know on our channel, we talked about, um, I've talked about this a lot of times where I say like RimWorld's great, but Dwarf Fortress is phenomenal. And, and the reason RimWorld's great is because RimWorld's mod friendliness and stability is really oh, yeah. hard to break. Like, I've broken it, and that's just because of mods mismatch on a game that literally spans six months of work. And <laughs> yep. that happens. There's no game that's going to get over that. 
But- yeah, I mean, as someone who just learned Dwarf Fortress, and I see the appeal and enjoy it immensely as of now, I kind of like RimWorld style better because it's not just here's your sandbox, try to survive or set your own goals. There is a, especially with royalty, a nice, at least some kind of progression path so you know you're getting somewhere better. And I like games that kind of give you the feeling like you're doing well instead of just stumbling upon success, you know? Yeah. I mean, Dwarf Fortress doesn't, Dwarf Fortress has no goalposts. Or guidestones. It's just this is the world. They drop you in the middle of a football field and say go, and you're Welcome like, to "Where's the other team?" Sandbox. And then everything around you just starts caving in, and you're like, "What?" And you're like, "Survive." Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing is it's it's a sandbox, and the thing with Dwarf Fortress is the more you play it, the more you realize there is to it, and then you start going, "Oh, I just discovered this, or I discovered that," and you start setting your own wacky goals where you're like, "I want to start a business running a giant monster fight club, or I want to become the center of dwarven civilization. I want the king to come here. So we set the standard or I, I want to make the most legendary weapons in the realm. And that's all player driven agency. And I, I think that so many games have kind of spoon fed us. Here's your objectives that a game without objectives becomes kind of hard to play, much like um, flight simulators are. Yeah, that's one of the reasons why I was so reluctant to get in the Dwarf Fortress for a while and then still CDDA. It's just because I need at least some soft goal because that's the way my mind works. I want to work towards something. But once I have the game down, I usually start doing thematic shit or aim for self-made goals. Like, I'm going to make this a kingdom and just take over the world and RimWorld type of thing. But in the end, it's here is your sandbox. Here's a beautiful world that's been generated from a lot of algorithms and everything has a history and things happen for a reason. And then you're like, all right, I have a self-sustained goblin atom smasher doorway and I should be fine unless a were creature gets in here or I hit lava or dig too deep. But well, then like one random guy gets like a foul mood or something. And yeah. He goes berserk and kills half of my people. And you're like, why did he kill everyone? He had like two strength and no weapons. He used a chair. Yeah. <laughs> you look on He's the a wrestler somehow. By the end of your tantrum spiral, you'll have someone who's a legendary something. True that. Everyone else. <laughs> legendary chair thrower. Dude, wrestlers are insanely fun. But yeah. Oh, yeah, they are. Um, limbs off. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that you you run into, like, in Dwarf Fortress, when you start doing raids on other settlements and you start shaping the world, the world gets really wacky, and you you can do that. But the problem is, as you said, there's there's no set goals, which is why when Pablo plays Dwarf Fortress, he'll say, hey, guys, what should I do in my fortress? And then once he's done it, he goes, what should I do now? And he, he looks for little things to build toward. And it's it's why I think Dwarf Fortress Legacy games, where you you play from one person, and then they play a year, and they hand it to the next person, and then they hand it to the next person, and then they hand it to the next person. I'm all for doing that now. 
Yeah. Everybody has their own set of problems to fix every time. Well, yeah, because every player plays it differently. It's not like RimWorld where it's like, okay, is there enough power? Okay, is the temperature safe in the base? Okay, do I have enough defenses? Okay, do I have enough food? Okay, do I have enough medicine? Where you do the kind of RimWorld's Maslow's hierarchy of needs of am I safe? Do I have food? Food table. Right, food (laughs) table. People do that in RimWorld. People set up that thing in RimWorld, and and that's how everyone approaches it. But in Dwarf Fortress, everyone has in their mind the most optimal layout for shit. And so when you hand it down to the next people, you get stories like Boat Murdered, where the the second guy is like, why are all these buildings out fucking sight? This is out fucking rageous. Who did this? These guys are fucking retards. And then (laughs) every person does things in such a haphazard way that like five people in... This guy goes, what do these levers do? And Uh yeah, one of the guys goes, oh, well, one of them like floods the world with magma. The other one collapses this hallway. And he's like, they're not labeled. And he's like, oh, well, lost to time. You know, so it's just this. (laughs) So he does it. And it's like, help. How do I stop the lava? (laughs) It's like, oh, there's no turning back. Yeah, that was the thing with his lava thing is it took like a season to build up the pressure. And then it slowly covered like a whole section of the world, this giant lake of lava slowly moving across the world, burning trees and animals and everything else. And he's like, I turned it off. And he's like, no, that'll keep going for a while. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even got that. Oh, a dwarf exploded, but we buried him without one of his hands. So he's looking. God. That I haven't experienced either. Well, oh. There's a lot for dwarf. I'm still looking forward to playing a lot of dwarf fortress, like upcoming. Cause it's just a new, Thing for me oh yeah my only downside with pablo is he doesn't let he doesn't want you to play the newer versions with you know villains or anything so he has me on like 42 when it's up to 47 right now yeah and i i used to play 40d uh back in the day like that was that was the build i played a lot of and each each version's a little different but i i think he the newer version is slightly less stable i've noticed a few crashes here and there um, but they'll fix it. They always do. Yeah, they always do. I'm really looking for their Steam stuff. It looks really promising. Yeah. Well, the Steam and I really version, want to yeah. support the guy. Well, yeah. And I, I remember like the community was up in arms like, I'm not going to buy this game that's been for free. And I'm like, this guy worked for 20 years on one fucking game. Can you give him $5? Even, even <laughs> a fancy new visual pack just for the support yeah, yeah, and he, and you're putting so much work into like trying to make the like the random beasts or unknown beasts, whatever they're called. Apparently, they have their own sprite generation that's being coded in by a whole bunch of different artists. He's paying for it just so you have a an actual close representative close sorry close representation of what it says in the text on the sprite. Well, it's gone nuts. Well, here's the thing, and this is. This is one thing that I think is really wild. Most games, they'll have the engine and graphics done, and then they add the substance. And that's usually where they run out of time and just release it anyways. They have the engine and graphics, all the yeah. all the pew pew boom boom done. And then they the rest of the game is like 10 minutes of work. <laughs> Dwarf Fortress has just been substance for 20 years. Right. Someone has forged this mountain of text and ASCII for 20 years. And just now they're like... Maybe we should put some art in there. <laughs> so <laughs> Maybe we should get some color on this autism supercomputer. 
Yeah. And that's it does what, take a lot. Yeah. And it, it, so Dwarf Fortress right now, if these two guys stopped, if they stopped right now, you could spend another 20 years, another 20 years polishing what they've started. And it would be still a very great game. It, it's it's mind boggling to think the way they've done it. But we may see with Dwarf Fortress the first video game that goes on for generations of work. Like they hand it to the next Grognards. They hand it to the next Grognards. So, you know, 60 years from now, it'll be like VR Dwarf Fortress. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, that gives me an idea. I, I have a proposal. Let's say... That, you know, when everyone wins the lottery and, and everyone has a lottery plan, like if I won the lottery and, you know, the first things they do is pay off their debts and, you know, yeah. take care of their family members and catch up on bills and then buy a fun thing or two, you know, like buy a tank. Your responsibility. Right. And then here for a while. Exactly. You know, like go, go travel and pay your bills off and do all the things you'd meant to do. And then you get into the fun era. And that's where usually people are like, man, I just buy like 20 Ferraris or whatever. And, um, yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, let's say, let's say you win the lottery, you do everything you wanted to do. You take a year off, you disappear, and you go see the world. You go see all the things you ever wanted to see. You try all the food. Um, you, you wanted, uh, you wanted to try and you you visit all the places you wanted to visit and you you see all your friends and you pay off your bills and you take care of people. And and then after that, you say, I want to do one cool thing. And let's say that that one cool thing is build one game with the rest of your money. You set money aside where you'll be able to live in comparative luxury for the rest of your life, but you're going to pour all the rest of your money, the majority of the rest of your money into one game and then give it away. You've decided this just is give it away. Yeah. Just give it away. This is going to be your, I don't need to have money anymore. Yeah. Take this amazing like passion project away from me for free. Right. That's that, the that, big Jew inside of me says this isn't happening. So please donate when you buy it for zero dollars. But uh, I would go straight to a long time idea I've had because of just my life. Uh, when I first got out of high school, I worked at a machine shop and I became a machinist over many years. And while I was a machinist, I went to school to become an engineer. And then I was in mechanical engineering, got my degree went right back to a machine shop or, you know, a fabrication facilities. And I've been working with, you know, production based business for a long time. And one of my things I've had in my head forever is I'd love to build some kind of tycoon or business management sim where it's just, you start in a shop inside your garage with like a lathe or a manual lathe or mill doing small jobs until you can finally put a down payment or have enough credit credible credit i guess credit, just to be able yeah. to buy a larger facility and then you can compete with other companies on contracts about different areas so so what like you're describing is, is, or oil field yeah what, what you're describing is kind of like the american success story of like a guy in his garage with tools and then yeah, slowly, and then just overall yeah. just move it into a situation where you now have a facility that is a high complex machine shop and or whatever you produce and you just try to make that. 
Yeah. And I, I get what you're saying. So you, you could go from like working with basic tools and then end up becoming Henry Ford. You know what I mean? Like I built a car. Now I build all the cars or, you know, I, I build doorknobs and now I build houses. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, the original idea, well, I've had it in my head for a while, but I was playing prison architect way back when it first came out. And I was like, this is the perfect look of what I was looking for. And it would have been like, you start in a small plot. Cause I didn't think about like starting all the way back in your garage at the time. And you would start with a certain budget. So you get some auctioned or used machines because that's most, most places that startup do hire on or work yourself. Like your guy will have its own avatar. And at some point you'll hire people and there'll be a whole interview process and it'll give you kind of a vague idea. This guy seems like he's good at this, not good at this. But then like, as you pro- progress, you can rate them or see better results or more accurate. And it's just, you, it's just a little business management where you start, you know, you have a machine shop, you have some used mills and lays or whatever, hire on some machinists, um, maybe a manager or so, and just be constantly trying to like win, contracts or business with other places and at some point if you're doing well if i could ever make that game happen um you'd be able to do some you know contracts or stuff with boeing that would be crisis like the coronavirus and built in the game and all that but at the end of the day it's like you built from like just a couple used or leased out machines to having a giant machine shop with the latest you know five axis with turning capability mills you know yeah, and I, I get what you're saying. Like that, that would be really, really cool. Is is you you start off by coming up with a simple design for something. Like I made a better set screw for machining, and then yeah, you know, you you go on to say, oh well, I'm designing drill bits now in the oil industry. You know, you, you could have all these interesting market forces where like um, you come up with a really good idea, and they offer to buy the patent from you. Or you can try to lease the patent and still maintain it. But, you know, all all these different things. And as you said, production woes, like the market collapses or new technology comes out. Yeah, and it'd be part of the business is try to, like, try to balance out how much you're going to spend on grabbing new technology that'll make life possibly better. Because there's been a lot of things that were developed that people realized aren't worth your time. But people will still drop $900,000 on a dumb finishing machine and realize that they can't get the right finish. So now it just sits in the corner of a company that will never use it and say, wow, look at that $900,000 paperweight machine that we did. Thanks. Good uh, company. I used to work. Nice. <laughs> oh, boy. Good. Yay. Useless. Money useless. Yay. Money dumb. Um. So, all right. Now, that sounds like a hell of a game. Um, not only a business, but also maybe a design sim, but also a market sim all kind of rolled into one. Yeah, just pretty much a, a like if you were the guy running it, how would you do it and how well would it work out? I like that. All right, Patate, you're up. The game of your dreams. Uh, for a long time, I've had a little really weird thing with strategy and building games, but I also just really like sandboxes. So I've had an image of like, some sort of highly moddable RTS that you could kind of have some sort of game mode in where one person has at their disposal all of like the triggers and events and some area outside the map no one can see to do stuff like you would do in an RTS campaign or something. 
That way you could maybe do like a live campaign with a few friends as like an RTS DM or something. Yeah. So, so, so you got someone, as you say, acting as the DM and this person. So it's an RTS. So you guys build a base and secure an objective and he can create a new map that you guys can expand into or fight from or deal with attacks from. And you can organize the forces to fight against. Yeah, like everybody riddles up and then just like the old Command and Conquer campaigns, maybe you start them off where they can only see a small and you fly some guys in off screen and make them go steal a base or something and then you can expand on it and play it for a good couple of hours and do something different next time. I, I like that. I mean, games that have you uh, play as the DM um, and, and as long as you don't have a dick DM, you know, that, that could be really oh, yeah. fun. Um, I like that idea. Yeah, I was immediately thinking Arma Zeus mode where the yeah, Zeuses are, but you're not controlling the first person, you're controlling like a base. And so you can have a constantly ongoing map that opens up as you conquer as he does or designs it live, like maybe simple edit and terrain tools or pre-gen stuff that you can design off game yeah, and just plop it down. Make the map outside and then get everyone to ready up and drop into it and then just play out what you had in your head or some simple live edit stuff or maybe you could do some sort of like plug and play where like it's made up of specific pieces that they can click together off screen before they show it to you kind of how like those old bethesda caves were made out of like eight different pieces simple is good though um especially because you know when you have stuff that's really complex like arma um and someone's like i made a custom thing and then you load in and the frames go down to like two frames a second because they've (laughs) they've built this they've built this intricate base that is just like you know you and your friends are playing and as you just mimicked the uh the effect of the game dying where you're just like you know and you're like this is cool (laughs) what it's it's cool but it's a slideshow now um or like when I play Kerbal Space Program. <laughs> which has been funny. Yeah, I, I've just been doing it to cause people to rage for the most part. Um, oh, which, you, you worked. It worked wonders. Oh, I know. yeah. Colberto yelling was amazing. Yeah, he, he has told me, quote, science is dead, end quote, uh, because I refuse to use math or engineering knowledge. I, I just Kentucky windage my place to places. And he's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, look, here I'm landing. Uh, yeah. That's, oh my God. Yeah. No, it, I, I went to the moon. I went to Minmus with no calculations. Just, uh, yeah, it's in the window. Accelerate. And he's like, you can't do that. And then I land and he's like, you can't do that. And I'm like, science is dead. Science is dead. I just landed the Capitol building on Mars. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, yeah. I, I built these giant, horrible spacecraft that are just like flying scaffolds. And he, he goes, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, I did. And it's funny. My only complaint about when you stream Kerbal is the fact that I'm always in some kind of tabletop game when it happens. <laughs> it's, it's it's okay. I've I've thought because you, you know over over time I've I've thought of I've thought of doing different things uh, on the channel because you know channels do change over time and I've been doing this almost ten years so it's it's um once this covid stuff calms down and i i can get back to my relaxed schedule not die schedule of of that'd be nice yeah that'd be nice i i think what i'm gonna do is probably have like you know one to two things a week 
Um, and, and plus like text talks, battle tech. So I can play my staple games that I always really enjoy playing, you know, something like sunless skies, something like rim world or something like space station 13. And, and then I can still work on my longer, more edited, crazier projects with crow. Um, because that's just not so fun, but you know, that, Going back to the normal relaxed schedule, I, I can then also, when I feel like it, just stream and be like, let's build a fucked up theme park or let's uh, let's shoot rockets into the sun or, or something like that. And then it'll be archived for, you know, all time. I agree. And just kind um, of relaxed. Running back really quick, when you bring up your favorite games, like you said, SS13, I can definitely... That's one of those ones that always slips to my mind, even though I'm always the whole discord is based around it, at least in most part. And the fact that's like probably my most watched thing of yours outside the rim world stuff, because they're just a lot longer sometimes. Um, so SS 13 is probably, is it been a game I've been coming back to play since about 2013. So that probably should have been in my top three. It's just one of those things that just doesn't immediately come into my head because when I play SS13, it's like a completely different feel than video games. Like, yeah, there is no game in SS13. You are assigned a role and you will do that or you'll you'll die either way. But you're going to do that. And that's like your life now. You have right. decided to do this. Well, I, I think Space Station 13 is a role playing game. You have to commit to your role. I, I like that it's something with like it's got goals comma light where you just you have a thing to do and you can commit to it or you have a big sandbox where you can just have an infinite variation of weird dumb shit happen. Well, right. And you look at games like Gary's Mod, which are exactly that. It's an infinite sandbox of just weird shit and it's really fun. Um, but if, if I had to create a game, a magnum opus game, um, I, I think one of the things, cause I've got a few different ideas. Um, one of the games I would do is I, I would have a game like Dwarf Fortress, something with all of that wonderful depth, with all of those Z levels, with all of those random monsters, with all of those challenges, with all of those skills, with, all of the things you can do. And what I would do is have a Dwarf Fortress style game, but set up with Minecraft style simplicity and graphics. So you and your seven friends emerge and you <laughs> assuming I have seven friends. Well, okay. But yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you and you and your friends start the fortress. And if you don't have friends, those would be NPCs and whoever's your um, caravan leader sets orders so it's you could just say dig there do this do that and you could hit like tab or m or whatever the keys you like and zoom out to a 2d map and issue orders and then lead it single player so or first person so if, if you're fighting monsters you can go fight monsters first person as one of your dwarves if you're um you know, forging, you can take over a forging mini game to forge stuff and design weapons uh, out of available materials or what have you. And you can have your friends playing as different doors, but you'd have the rest played by NPCs that are more or less door fortress NPCs. They have needs and wants and everything else. But I think first, all these things I can ignore. Oh, yeah, exactly. And be like, oh, he's crazy <laughs> again. Well, better run over there and punch him. 
But, that way a person could fill the slot, but they still do the things on their own. Kind of. Right. It, so if a person's in the slot, it they can do whatever they want. Um, and it all those needs and wants and stuff just get put on hold, more or less. But when it's an NPC, the needs and wants give it that sort of depth, you know, so the character's not just a little random. So you want pretty much a dwarf fortress and kind of a Minecraft world and you play as one of the dwarf. Yeah. And but your goal is to be like kind of the quartermaster of the doors where you're like, hey, you got to we got to build that there and we got to get <clears throat> going here it's because everyone else is like starving and and. Yeah, it, it would be it would be kind of organization and stuff like that. Um, and in things would happen, you know, but depending on biome, like I would want all the depth of Dwarf Fortress where, you know, you have raids, you have monsters that show up, you have caravans you have to trade with. So if you have a friend who's really good at, uh, you know, actions per minute, he'd probably be your miner or he'd be forging stuff out of rare things that you could sell. Um, or crafting armor and weapons for your friends, or if you, you'd have, uh, if your friend liked exploring or scouting, you'd have guys outside the fortress doing that and finding stuff to bring back. Like, oh, guys, I found this rare fort like 10 miles away, and there's these ancient artifacts in there, and you could put together a party to go do that. So it'd be a action adventure hub with some, you know, semi elements to it. Um, yeah. but my other game idea, that I, I really thought of when I was playing uh, XCOM and when I was playing Xenonauts. No. no, yeah, this is stupid. But I, I, I think something like XCOM or something like um, Xenonauts, which is absolutely a better spiritual successor to XCOM than the newer XCOMs, uh, which are very different games. I, I think that what would be interesting is the game starts off in like 1946 or 1947 and you're this off branch of the uh, Office of Strategic Services, the precursor to the CIA. And you go out and you have to investigate all the crazy UFO spottings. And a lot of it turns out to be bunk or something else or it's the Soviets or, you know, all this other stuff. But then Roswell happens and it starts being more and more real and how you do in different phases of the game influences the final showdown when the aliens start showing up and fighting. So you would have the 1940s, 50s style where, you know, you're the men in black, basically. And then you would have the 60s, 70s, 80s style where it's Cold War and you find out some of the Cold War events are actually trying to cover up or acquire alien materials or going after. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I mean, you'd say like, oh, remember this thing during the war? Well, no, that was actually a cover up for what really happened. Like the more stuff you, you won't really even believe it. You actually find out to be real aliens gives you more bonuses for the late game to make you more prepared. Or exactly. And I would say, you know, part of it's fighting other agencies, part of it's fighting other groups and the effects you do like it. I, I wouldn't say that the problem with games is they will say, if you do this too much, the game ends. I, I would have more of a interesting change in the world based on your actions. So like, let's say you fail you acquire the alien artifacts but you fail to keep it under wraps well if you fail to keep it under wraps the public becomes more aware of it you'll get more funding because people are scared to shit about this stuff but you'll also have a lot more scrutiny because it's now in the public sphere of influence a lot more weird unknown 
shit that could go wrong during missions because there are panicked like preppers everywhere. Yeah, or different groups rise up because of it, you know. Um, and the the thing I would have is the decisions you made in each era would affect the next. So the first era is it's like your division is ten guys, and it's this one office of the OSS, and. All you do is just minor, minor stuff. But if you do well, you get more funding. You can build research and development programs and what have you. So when you get into the second era and you actually have a base and your own aircraft and stuff like that, because the Cold War pours a lot of money into it, you end up with everything you built off of in the beginning of the game coming over, the decisions you made in covering stuff up or not come over, all the research and development priorities you made influence the rest of the game. So by the end, when the aliens start trying to invade, if you've analyzed, like let's say you prioritized studying aliens, capturing aliens, cracking aliens, figuring out how they work. By the time they invade, you may know everything about them and they become very easy to kill. Or if you prioritize technology, by the time the aliens invade, instead of normal rifles, you start with rail guns. <laughs> Just shoot them out of the sky. Exactly. Better counter. Don't worry, our shields are immune to all sorts of energy weapons. And then like there's a hole through the console, you're like, that's strange. Yeah. Develop a bunch of detection stuff so when they find up, like, XCOM-style terror missions don't really happen because you can always see them. We're right. And depending also, I would add a layer to it to where if you destabilize any of these other countries too much, by the t time the end game comes, they're too weak to help. So, if, <laughs> you know, so it would be one of those things Just of like... Well, right. And, and I'm saying that if, if you um, like in the early parts of the game, if you keep fucking up the Soviet Union, they collapse a lot earlier than they should. And then you end up with, well, they can't help you now because they have so many internal problems that they cannot dedicate money, funding weapons. They're not defending their territory. Hell, they might work with the aliens because, you know, you fuck them up so much. They're looking for any way to get back on top. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty fun. Double-edged sword development kind of thing. Right. I'd play it. It helps you in the short run to get a bunch of stuff from that one country, but it's destabilized now and you don't get as much funding later on or something. Right. And in in the third weird text game idea, because um, I, I think about stuff like this, because I know it's one thing to be like a game critic and just go, this game sucks. I hate this. <laughs> yeah. But it's to, to actually say... How would I do it better based off my experiences? I think is a lot more, um, a lot more appealing for me to do. Yeah. Find the good things in every game and figure out how to mush them together. Exactly. Like make a good, <laughs> game. yeah, make a good game meatloaf, you know, <laughs> like just uh, get some duct tape out. Right. And, and so one, one of the things I want to do is imagine a game where the game starts off and it's you and your friends, you make your characters. Um, and I, I would say something like this, like a 10 or a 20 player game. It's, it's co-op. It's, it's a co-op experience. You make your characters, you choose your backgrounds and it would be something like the traveler universe where you choose your backgrounds, which is like 10, 20 questions of what you do. There's some random things that could happen um, based on your risky choices you build your character and then you start with a adventure 
a simple adventure on a planet in a space opera setting in a very giant empire. And depending on how well you do in your first adventure with you and your friends all playing these characters, then determines what kind of ship you get. And then you can just go out and randomly generated adventures, randomly generated stuff. And it would probably be a first person experience. Maybe, maybe something like Star Citizen, but I I would have it to where it would be a larger ship. So you're not having a hundred guys fly fighters and dogfight each other. But, you know, um, start off with basically a space tug and you drive out into space. And so if you're like an engineer, your job is going to be trying to do upkeep on the ship or enhance things or R&D or even cooler when you pull up to derelict ships or alien ships or what have you. Salvage. Yeah. The engineering team's going out there in spacesuits and they're, they're ship breaking, you know, so they're like, all right, let's get in that engine room. All right. You got to cut through this wall here. And, you know, it's really unstable. So you cut the wrong yeah. shit and it falls apart and kills people. Or, you know, you're trying to loot, but, oh, there's pirates on board or you know, um, all, all sorts of fun stuff. So your science guys are always looking for new fucked up war crimey things to invent or, you know, they're they're running the medical team, but they're also like, you know, giving people genetic enhancements. So Cyborg I arm. Yeah. Yeah. And and so in one, one thing that I think would be kind of cool about that. And this is this is one thing I love in some of these games that pull this shit off is when people can pull off the correct atmosphere for these games. So if you're in a spacesuit, all you can hear is your breathing and the radio and the radio can come in or out depending on solar flares, distance from the ship, distance from other oh, yeah. people. S- sound is the biggest thing. Oh, yeah. To, oh, like, yeah. You, like to get a really good feel of how desolate you're in, a situation you're in. It really comes down to how well you can feel that you can portray that eeriness because it's very subtle sound design that makes you feel like I might be doomed at any moment here. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and, and what I think would be great is if, you know, imagine you're an engineer, you float over uh, in your jet pack over to a vessel that you guys want to ship break. And you and your yeah. friends are running around on the vessel and you can kind of hear the main ship, but it's breaking up a little bit. And as you move further into the ship, it starts breaking up more and more and more. <laughs> yeah, you hear the metal creaking and pipes popping out of place. Yeah, yeah. A little you- pitter patter of your own feet. Yeah, and you you hear your your breath, you know, your constant breath in the system and, you know, make something with a minimalistic HUD. So you have to kind of trust your senses. You have to trust sound. You have to trust what was that that moved in the dark? You know, you make darkness dark. You have flashlights. Had some have some like super subtle, just mind fuckery bullshit, like shadows move a little bit. You're like, absolutely. I'm oh, in space. Like, There's nothing out here. A kind of <laughs> but slight you might paranoia have system. system. Yeah. Well, the paranoia would be player versus player because you, you have players versus paranoia like Space Station 13 where you're like, why is that guy following me around? What's that guy fucking oh, do? Seriously. Yeah. Uh, that is like the first sign of, uh oh, like you're just walking and then you walk and you turn. So then you make a turn you weren't going to go. Then they go there and you're like, what the fuck? And you say, stay away from me. If he comes with a bone tile, I'm hitting him with a toolbox. Yeah. And and that's that's what I love is imagine that or even better. Imagine you're up on your ship and um, 
like one of the classes would be command. So you give like a lot of passive bonuses to things. You have a lot of bonuses and in interacting with NPCs and stuff. So like if you're a good commander, um, your crew or your NPC crew do better, for instance. So like the, the NPCs that handle uh, gunnery or the NPCs that handle um, damage control, they do yeah. better if you have a good command role or even better, your interaction with different factions is better if you have better command, you know, stats. But one of the one of the things that I think would be crazy is while people are going off down on the planet handling stuff or going and ship breaking, if command could watch through monitors like in aliens, you know what I mean? So oh, it's like a yeah. helmet cam and it starts oh, breaking up. Do you know how nerve wracking that would be? Yeah. They're like, can you say that again? I didn't get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And well, the uh, well, oxygen. What about the oxygen? Science to pull them up on the main screen because you can't see their helmet cam. Anymore. Exactly, and you're you're having to watch like uh, the sensors sending back information of where you're going, and you see the map start to break up, and and oh man, a game like that would be fucking great. It's like a much more intense content heavy version of like Pulsar or something. Yeah. And I mean, Pulsar is a great idea, but once you get down a good team of, okay, we know what we're good at and you have the captain, which is just kind of like the team's cheerleader, but also the centralized yeah, command and control. Um, well, I mean, the captain offers direction and then just tells people what to do, but you also have to have people willing to listen to it. Otherwise, the job's useless. But, you know, the captain will be like, hey, you roll the ship like over to the right, pitch it down. All right, guns, let's switch to missiles. All right, engineering, watch that reactor. You're, you're just kind of serving as a bitching petty to the crew. Yeah. Dude, Luna was giving me an aneurysm watching him drive your plane or yeah. drive your ship in that I, game the other yeah, I was like, up, up, right, more right, that's left. Other- and he starts rolling, and you're like, why are you rolling? <laughs> yeah. But that's. Uh, yeah. Arma 3 tank commander with AI. Front, 30 meters, slow, fast, left. Please stop. Yeah. And uh, the yeah. automatic callouts in Arma 3 are a nightmare. I love where it's like, enemy, 25 meters. Yeah, where it cuts out. Yeah. Enemy, rifleman. 25 meters north. Huh? Are you okay? I ate fiesta pale. Um, (laughs) Won't survive. Please help. (laughs) Call mom. Uh, Yeah. The, the thing, the thing is that I, I really would like that. I I really would like is something. Yeah. I mean, a, a content heavy pulsar where you have a big, scary, randomly generated universe and and you have just random things that happen and you just cruise around and find missions. There doesn't need to be an overarching plot. It's it's just one of those things of, OK, you want to you want to shape the universe? Fine. Go out and start fighting factions and start your own faction. Go out, mess with pirates. Don't piss off giant empire because they will crush you. Right. And, and it's, it's one of those things where you could go be a pirate hunter. You could go be a shipbreaker. You could go. um work for one of the factions and that'd be crazy as you you'd have like crazy uh first person shooter battles where your ship shows up and uh just kind of yeets in 
you know, slides in sideways and uh, boards another vessel. and or, or you could be a pirate, you know, smash and run on stuff and run around. That game mode would be like payday, you know, where it's like, all right, we got to yeah. steal the jewels of the emperor, or, you know. Oh, Get the man. science players to R&D and ion cannon to shut down the enemy ship so you can board it easy. Yeah. You guys remember that old game Thief and all of the precursor? Like yeah. All the yeah, 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 the, yeah, yeah. I would love to have like a multiplayer version of that not assassin's creed because the whole point of thief is that you weren't a killer like right. if you got in a fight with a guard you were dead like there was nothing you could do i would love to have like kind of a a group based setup kind of like payday but medieval times technically but without the go hot mode like that's the panic let's don't give them almost any real chance to survive like a direct conflict unless it's completely stealth and unseen it's maybe like knock someone out anti swat for where you're just the four thieves breaking in but you don't want to kill anybody well yeah but like, like have someone hit the door like not the door but like someone knock on the door or throw a rock or somehow like we know there's guards in here there's someone sleeping we need to get them out of the room so we can get this stuff and then there's like a whole how are you going to keep them distracted after they look and walk back it there's just gonna be so much possibility with like just a multiplayer um thieves guild type of game yeah where you're like you legitimately could like have a full cover like a tavern or a um like even just a blacksmith or shop and then like in the basement or when everyone's not around it becomes like all right some shady ass noble comes and be like listen this guy won an auction against me and i really want that piece and i want you to get it for me then you're like yeah Now you negotiate a price, you got it, or maybe just set price because you don't want to make it too complicated because you're taken away from the gameplay. But then you just grab up your one, like maybe you could do it solo, some of them, but like the the shine would be multiplayer. So you get four up to friends and just plan it. Like you spend the daytime like scouting out what you can through windows, walking around, talking to the guards, watching them come and leave. Like talk to you can have it. And maybe hand them some coins you steal from their cabinets during the mission in exchange. Yeah. yeah. Like say, hey, if you want anything from that building, as long as you tell me, you know, is there anything that comes and goes? It's like, well, every Thursday they have the laundry maids come in and out. All right, sweet. A couple of us dress up like laundry people. Now you have a way in it for at least one or two people, you know? And then yeah. it's like, the door you can use that to just do it. The next room, he turns away, bash him in the back of the head, stick him in a- You know, and that, that's that's another good idea for a game. Like, imagine a game where um, the game starts and you have your adventuring party and you're in charge of, like, a medieval kingdom, but it's really shitty. Like, you, you find out <laughs> that you, you inherit this medieval um, kingdom and it's like the castle's got wooden walls and mud walls and it's shit. And it's it's here's the stable and it's just a horse standing on some wood that collapsed from a building. Right. It's 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 a well, you find out that maybe like the king has all of these border uh, properties uh, that he needs reinforced to be like a buffer against bandits and marauders and monsters. And, And so he's like, oh, well, the leaders of all these places die because it's dangerous. And so what if we gave you the king and you're like you're like what and they're like well you were related to him right and you're like no and they're like sure you were and so it says they, it right here and he writes it down exactly like he's he's got a dead a dead king with no heir or whatever for this border 
prince, you know, territory. You're the duke. Exactly. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, the duke. I am the duke. I am the duke. Um, but what you do is you start off and you and your friends get to play the adventures and build this kingdom back up. So, you know, you could like go raid other kingdoms or you could try to kill the bandits, but it'd also be like city building to a point. Um yeah. At least city management. I thought of something like that before, you know, like a multiplayer type scenario where it would kind of be like the game Majesty, but the adventures you're hiring to do stuff would be actual police. Oh, that would be sick. Considering Majesty, your adventures don't do shit you want them to do unless you throw a lot of money. You give some of your friends some like city council positions and you try to stabilize the economy and do stuff and you have to rely on them help of other people to go kill monster layers or something oh that would be great because th- that could be a great multiplayer component for drop in drop out multiplayer is you appoint your friends and their characters to like you say these ministerial uh positions so you'd be like all right uh digs you're the uh, captain of the city watch and then you have to organize oh boy a city watch you have to prevent like arson and fires and thieves you have to like protect the roads and so you know part of that would be like in skyrim where you're like riding around on your horse and you're like oh bandits and you get off and fight them um and maybe track down the bandit layers but other parts of it would be like building a prison or you know having a setting up a town watch or as you say uh, patrol Maybe think about curfews at something. Yeah. It, it, something like building a medieval city would be pretty fucking wild, especially considering um, you'd have to have people building. You'd have to have people uh, dealing with all sorts of crazy random stuff. And if you said it in a fantasy setting, it'd be like, oh, get too rich too quick, dragons. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> smile. Oh, that'd be really sick. Yeah. 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 Well, I love the idea. Like, imagine, like, so you have people drop in to be the heroes and go do quests and stuff that you post for a certain amount of money, but then you you have to balance how much you're paying them for their time because yeah. majesty one of those things is you only have so much passive income from the tax collector and if like you got some major threats on the board you have to pay a pretty hefty fee for the even like the shittiest of ones to go oh i'll go do that so you have people jumping in online or friends or not they come into your kingdom and it's like oh well i don't know i could spend my time killing lesser things for this type of money yeah, it could be a little bit hard to strike a balance, but if you had like, the city management and then people just trying to work on their own little solo characters and you're like, hey, I'll pay you to fight some goblins. Or you're like, hey, go kill this dragon. And they're like, mm, I don't know. That's kind of dangerous. What are you going to give me? Yeah. And have then- a brown boulder. <laughs> you you <laughs> may have all of the rocks in this field. You can build a mighty a- kingdom as long as you drag them away yourself. Set up your friend as the little minister of commerce and he's got to worry about where the stores go and getting oh, yeah. tax blacksmith oh that, that would be hilarious is is your friends having to go around and do the jobs like um you know collecting taxes and and what have you and you could add so many wild things that happen like you you make a lot of money uh if you make way too much money and you're too prosperous you start getting invaded by uh, barbarians or other empires or even your own kingdom coming in and being like ah yes we need to assess your taxes you must come up stable, but you have holes in your security. Goblins. Yeah. And, and you, Goblin. or yeah, or worse. I mean, imagine a plague. Imagine uh, a proper plague coming up to where you have to keep people indoors and you've got like uh, maybe someone spreading the plague. Like you have some some followers of some dark god that have been secretly moving around town. So it becomes this kind yeah. of inquisitorial um, witch finding thing or it's big and hard to manage so threats start slipping in there's like cults in the basement of the church or something oh god 
Yeah, that that would be really cool. Um, you don't put enough money in the churches; they start making cults to find ways to make money. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean that that does happen. There is that guy who sells Fiesta Pale. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> he is, and you supported him. That was the worst. That was the worst trade deal you ever. That's the thing is, I joked that that was our sponsor, and then like the COVID thing happened, and they showed the price of Fiesta Pale uh, went up to like four hundred dollars a pale. And uh, people are like, Tex, you did this. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I joke. It was ha 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 ha. Don't buy. Yeah, we actually did cook that here and catch ate a whole bowl of Fiesta Pale. I remember you said the cheese that like Vincent ate sounded like Crayola or something. They look like crayon shavings and he ate it and he said they're <laughs> so, crunch. yeah, he said they're so, so sharp. He said the cheese had a crumb because he's like, <laughs> he's like, oh God, why? Uh, was that oh, cheese? Yeah. Well, I, yeah, it, it was so terrible. And it is a survival food. It's bad because it as milk in it, it has, um, it's, it has dehydrated milk in it, meaning it's not really shelf stable. Yeah. And, and so, like, dairy products are not something you really want to put a lot of in any survival ration. And the other issue is it takes so much fucking water. Yeah, it doesn't have its own self-contained water for it. And it's like, just add water. Just add water. Yeah. And it's this like, is post-apocalyptic. Where's my clean water? Yeah. Oh, right. That yeah. part. Yeah. Sorry, you have to buy the aqua pail for that one. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> the, the, the aqua pail is an empty pail, and it just says, just add water. Yeah. I was say it's like it's dehydrated water. <laughs> it's just a bunch of dust in a bucket. Add water. <laughs> it multiplies into more water. Add water and then filter dust. Filter dust. Do filter not drink. Dust Do not drink if you add water. Well, we clean, uh, clean pail before drinking. We we did that. Um, Catch has brought over some really wild MREs before. And um, it's, oh, my God, they are so fucking crazy wild MREs. Uh, like, like one of them looked like the country had gone out and bought a bunch of canned food and just put them in a bag. Like, that was their MRE, was like shit from a gas station that was canned. I think it was, I think it was like oh, Latvia. It was just like gas station canned stuff. So there was like a can. Yeah, no potato. Yeah, it was what just, flavor is this MRE? Oh, Del Monte green beans. I yeah, and 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 so, but then there were some really cool ones. Like the Russian one had some really tasty stuff in it, um, and I I thought that was really cool. Uh, it had like a had like kind of a Russian meatloaf thing that that was interesting and they had like fried potatoes like dehydrated fried potatoes with onions like that was really good that sounds interesting yeah um catch catch always gets these really weird mres because he watches steve mre 1989 was like nice you know the the guy who like just eats botulism oh boy 80 year old hard tech nice yeah nice let's get that out on a train has he ever eaten something was all like not nice. Yeah, he's eating stuff where he's like, oh, that's gone so rancid. Well, I'm just going to have a bite. And then yeah, he, just, he finishes it. <laughs> yeah. Where he opens a can of beef and it's like a brick and he shaves some off with a knife and he eats a little bit of it. And he's like, yeah, that's definitely rancid. <laughs> <laughs> Nibbles a little bit more. I love how he says that. He's like, that's definitely gone off. Well, I'm going to have a little bite. And you're like, no, no. I, um... I, it's really affecting the flavor of my coffee instant. 
Yeah, one of my one of my favorite things that he did uh, was he he finds the World War Two uh, like sea rations and there's cigarettes in there, yeah. and he goes, "I'm just gonna have one." He's like, "Wow, that's really nice aged tobacco," and I'm like, "The paper is like falling apart because it's eighty year old cigarette," <laughs> and he's smoking an eighty year old cigarette, drinking an eighty year old instant coffee, and he's like, "I could really get behind this. It's a real good pick me up." He has so many packs of old cigarettes and just like gum or mints or whatever and like old bags of cocoa. Yeah. And it's, it's again, it's one of those things where you're like, oh my God. And it, that's why I love watching that guy because he's so relentlessly upbeat doing horrific shit. He seems so nice and happy and he's just putting stuff in his mouth that went out of date like 70 years ago. Well, that's, that's the thing is it's like. I smell creamer for my coffee, and if it's like a day off, I'm like, that's going down the drain. Yep. This guy has gone beyond that by like 70 years. Not not a day, years. And he's like, no, nah, it's good. It's good. Smell you know, bread, starting to smell a bit sour, throw it out of way. Like your creamer, it's gone bad. It's like a solid gelatinous goop at this point. He'd be like, nice hiss. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I think I it's alive. Yeah, that's gone rains. Yeah. Or he's like, wow, it turned into cheese. He doesn't give a fuck. I think I'll have some on this eight-year-old hard tip. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's, 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 he's amazing, but it's also amazing that he's still alive. Um, <laughs> it's not it would man. kill you that easy. I mean, it would, he probably goes off. I, there's been a few times, I bet, that he turns off the camera and goes and throws up, comes back. He was like, yeah, that was bad. Well, Either that or turns off the camera a few hours later, his toilet is obliterated. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it, it probably his toilet probably looks like someone loaded a shotgun shell up with shit and just fired it into it. <laughs> like just boom, um, But no, he has had to go go to the hospital before. He got botulism oh. once, and I mean that'll kill you. And he probably the next day was like, "Wow, that hospital bill was really high." Well, time to eat some MREs. Well, thanks for watching. You're paying my hospital bills. Yeah, this disease has definitely made me gone rancid. Nice hit. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what? <laughs> yeah, he's he's amazing. Um, he's he's amazing. It's so so terrible. It's so terrible. I I love watching it, but it makes me cringe because I'm like, don't eat that. No, and then I just get louder. Like in my head is all the alarm bells. Yeah, it's just like, and <laughs> like, don't do this. I'm just imagining him like roaming the apocalyptic wastes of the world after a great tragedy and he's just finding some glowing mushrooms in like an old MRE in a box in the ground and he's like, let's pair these together. He's just still alive and kicking somehow. Yeah, well. Eating random shit. He's, he's got like a trait that allows him to eat anything, you know? He, the it's, iron it's stomach. Like, yeah. It's like Caves of Cud where you, you've, you've got the trait where it's like you, there's that wonderful achievement of eat a bear, a whole bear. Got that one. That's a great achievement. Um, and th that's another thing. Like in the Legion, I really want to see everyone give me like one good Caves of Cud playthrough, like one really good one, and then put them all together just to show how bad shit that game is. Where, like, um, where Diggs, you were running around and you were a really high level telepath, and then you started attracting ancient and terrible creatures. Yeah. yeah, creatures from other realms. 
that were hunting you down and 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 they were like setting the whole map on fire and you're like i think i've i think i've catastrophically fucked up apparently if you are your mental ability is seen through other dimensions they will come and find you and use all those same powers on you and that's not fun because you're like I'll just go over here. You sense a weird mind thing. You're like, huh, I wonder what that is. And then you're frozen and then you're on fire, then laser beams and a force bubble. And you're like, ha ha, I'm out. And you teleport to the other side of the world or the map that you're currently on. And then he's confused because you're no longer within his AI's brain rings. But then like, it'd be a bear. It'd be just some random grizzly bear with a weird nursery rhyme connected to it, telling everyone how he is from another dimension to kill me because I have a brain. That's really great. <laughs> That's, but then that's, I also Goldball who was walking around being my personal hot wax dispenser or molten wax dispenser. That was a fun one. Yeah. What really upset me about that game recently though is I don't know like I just got back into it. I got pretty far again. I got to the gates and I was digging down a little bit to get some rarer stuff and there was an update and it said my save wasn't compatible anymore, so I had to restart. But Aww. that was upsetting. But also, the game is so weird that It'll leave you alone for about 20 levels down and then throw two chrome pyramids at you. And you're like, oh, what's a chrome pyramid? And then half the map explodes from rocket launchers. And you're like, oh, that's a chrome pyramid. It's bad. Don't touch. Uh-oh. You hit it as a shield. So you need EMP. It, they bypass all like damage reduction. So you just go, Haha, I'm dead. Yeah. And I, I, I saw a series of images a guy had where he killed one. And he uh, got he got it the weapon off of it the rocket launcher and then he I, I forget yep. what he used to make it lighter um, but he the heavy weapons uh, talent you can pick up that makes you able to handle the um, uh, wait, like heavy weapons in general no but it, it'll actually he made he made the weapon itself lighter um, through some modifications uh, oh, there's a lot of t- like uh, traits you could attach to it it was probably um, well, there's like woolly, there's accurate, sharp. There's a whole, bu- there is a one that l- lightens it, but there's also anti gravity cubes that you can forge at later game that add five, like remove five pounds off your guy. So everything becomes lighter. Well, and that's the thing is he, he was running around wielding it and it was hilarious because he was like, oh, attacked by baboon. And he like destroys half the map shooting at it. And oh, it- yeah. Well, he did it in a town. It was hilarious because it's just blowing everything up. And I'm like, this is great. Oh, baboon. Nuclear missile. Exactly. Well, at any rate, um, I think I think this is about where I want to end the podcast. So uh, do you gentlemen have any last minute fun words, ideas, thoughts, or sound effects? Um, willowy is the item modification he used. It reduces the weight of an item by 75%. That's that's a good that's a good final tip. I like that. Some some people are going to be like, yeah. Some some people are going to be like listening. Like, give me them cud tips. Cud tips. <laughs> cud tips. Hey guys, it's your boy Diggs from the BPL. It says for the Black Pack Legion. Burr, 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 here with some cud tips. Here. <laughs> Step one: play the game. Whoa! <laughs> yeah. All right, Mister Pertain. Beware uh, uh, the space apes and attic locusts. Don't let them eat you. I I like that because the attic locusts are dangerous. And on that bombshell, uh, see you guys later. <laughs>